Praise the Lord, it's chat time. Praise Praise the Lord, it is chat time. Yes, praise the Lord, it is chat time once again. Now this week, we will continue to discuss our current events and our scriptures. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So someone sent me uh, an article about Biden, and I know that he's been in the news because of a whole host of things. Yes. But this particular article came from ChristianHeadlines.com, and it was talking about, and I, and I saw this on TV where he was talking about the uh, military, how he feels like they are, it's a calling for them. And um, in this speech that he made, he quoted, or this article says he misquoted scripture and he's not the first president to misquote scripture. In fact, he did it just like the last two previous presidents. Um, and, it, and it's not that he was wrong to honor and recognize the service of uh, the, the soldiers or the self-sacrifice of the military. It's, it's not wrong to do that. But... Um, it was out of context. This scripture was out of context. And he said um, something about it. It, it. It's like, well, let me read this. In this misuse of scripture, President Biden joined a long line of presidents who have done the same. In the misuse of this particular scripture, he joined plenty of pastors, Bible teachers, and other Christians um, I've lost count of the number of mission conferences I've attended in which the words, here I am, here am I, send me, were plucked from the middle of Isaiah chapter 6 
printed on banners and hung around the church. But that's not and he misquoting. Was, he was saying that the military, people who serve in the military, he feels like they say, here am I, send me. Well, they probably are, but they're not telling the Lord to send them. You know, they're basically saying they honor their country, and in honor of their country, they're saying, send me. But I don't, you know, it seems like he's kind of vague as to why it's a misquotation to say, here am I, send me. It's like he's saying, if you just take that one little statement, here am I, send me, you aren't really getting the well, he's saying full significance in, of the scripture. In this article, he's saying the context here is the death of King Uzziah, which was a na national crisis. Not only had Uzziah re reigned over the kingdom of Judah for 52 years and had been mostly one of their few good kings, when God allowed Isaiah to see him in the midst of this national crisis, the message is clear. Even if the earthly king is dead, the true king of the nation and the, and the universe is not, which is God. God's status remains unchanged. Even the most chaotic cultural moment does not alter the rule and reign of Christ. And we would do well to remember that too. So when we, when read in light of the previous few verses, it's clear that Isaiah's answer was not so much courageous or heroic as it was grateful or maybe a little fearful. In other words, the significance lies not so much in what Isaiah said as it does in what God did. And immediately after Isaiah saw the Lord, he cries out, woe is me. And, and this could be very roughly translated as, uh-oh, I'm dead meat, you know. The passage describes the central feature of God's presence as holiness. And Isaiah is not special. He's a sinner, just like the rest of us. And that's what he was saying. I'm unclean, you know. Until God cleans us. And then uh, when I was uh, coming up, we were taught that that meant the same way the coals were placed upon the lips of Isaiah and his iniquity was cleansed and his uh, sins forgiven, then we are not fit to go forth and and deliver God's word until we have surrendered to the Lord and he saves us with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's how we were taught, that you're, you're not fit to go until you surrender yourself to the Lord. Then you can say, Lord, uh, here am I, send me. So I, I don't know what he's saying when a person just says, here am I, send me, how somehow he feels like basically that, that it shouldn't be like a standalone type of uh, quotation. I, 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 don't, I don't get why he takes exception to it, is what I'm saying. Oh, the author here of yes. this article? Right, I don't, I don't I know. Don't and, I, and, and in defense of uh, Biden, I think being a Catholic, he's heard different songs in services, and one of the songs that he probably has heard is a, a song that says, Here I am, Lord. And some of the verses... Some of the words in the, some of the lyrics in that song says, Here I am, Lord. Is it I, ha I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord. If you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart. And then I think it's a cross between that and uh, I think it's in First Samuel um, chapter 3 where... Um, when the Lord was calling... 
Samuel. Yeah, and, and Samuel he got up in the middle of the night, Eli. and he and he went, and he he said, "Here I am, here I am," and and uh, who's it, Eli? That said, "Go back to bed, go go back to sleep." Oh, he went back to sleep, and then the Lord called Samuel again, and then he jumped up and he said, "Here I am, here I am. What is what is it you want? I know you called me." And Eli said, no, go back to bed. I didn't call you. And then he, it happened a third time. And then finally, Eli realized that it was the Lord that was calling Samuel. And he told Samuel what to say, how to respond. So I think it's a mixture of that, uh, that scripture, a mixture of the Isaiah. Right. uh, And and a mixture of that, those, uh, lyrics from that song yeah and and i and i wish he would be more clear as to what he took exception to because i don't think that i don't necessarily believe that what biden did represents uh, a scriptural you know interpretation i think what he did was basically using the scripture for political reasons but at least it was scripture you know i mean at least he was trying to make a connection. Whoever, and you have to admit, I don't believe it's Biden who's writing these speeches. Somebody who thinks they know a little bit about the word wrote it for him. I don't. I don't think Biden came up and said, "Here, I'm going to say." Well, I don't know. Maybe he has some say so in it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, because he 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 does quote. I mean, and and talk about his, another one of his favorite songs on Eagle's Wings, which is another song, which is very pretty. It's true that, you know, that the song is pretty, but I can't picture Biden writing his speeches. Most presidents do have speech writers. Most presidents do have uh, re- so-called religious advisors that try to advise about you know religion and how to go about how to yeah. go about it in politics and have speech writers to. Write your speeches for you. Okay, this sounds good. You say this with this. Right. And I'm just thinking that he's a little bit out of step trying to compare a soldier saying, here am I, in reference to honoring and serving his country, as opposed to somebody telling the Lord, here am I. They should yeah, those they are two should different offer their things. lives right. in service to God. And, right. Uh, um, yeah, it's a, there's a difference. Right, so moving on, um, Kanye West, hmm. I guess, uh, hmm. dropped his album, Donda, and it soared all, all already to the number one. Donda? Hmm. Well, that's the name of his That's his. That's the name his of his late, late mother. His late D-O-N-D-A? Mo- yeah, D-O-N-D-A, his that's late perfect. mother. Okay. And it includes multiple tracks that spotlight his Christian faith, including Praise God, Heaven and Hell, Lord, I Need You, Jesus, Lord. Um, also on the album is the tune No Child Left Behind, which was featured in an Olympics-themed television commercial in July. Um, so it was number one on Amazon and iTunes recently. Well, I mean, I, if he wants to give God praise, I, I'm... All for giving the Lord the praise. Uh, like the Lord said, no man who uses his name, you know, can use it lightly, you know, can speak lightly of the Lord. If he gives God the praise, 
It's just that uh, so many people out of the same mouth come praise and cursing all out of the same mouth, but it, he's truly giving God the glory and he's giving God the glory. Mm -hmm. So I heard um, this next article, someone sent this to me, but somebody else was telling me about this, how San Francisco will be paying people to not shoot at others. <laughs> it's called, it's a program actually, and it's called Cash for Criminals has already been launched across the bay in Richmond in well, how an attempt they, to curb gun violence. But how do they prove that the person isn't shooting? Like, how can, say a person goes and collects the money and then goes out and shoots somebody, how can they determine that the person did or did not shoot somebody? I don't know. Let's read on. The ten, there are 10 people that will receive $300 per month in exchange for pledging not to be involved in a crime involving a gun. How would they know? The person would say, I didn't do they it. They will also be paired with life coaches as part of the program. All 10 are eligible to receive an extra $200 per month for reaching goals set by the program. And these include at work, in school, or acting as a mediator in their community. The only way they would know is if their life coach is with them 24-7 or if or if there's a witness that survives or witnesses the crime if one is made, I think that's foolish. Because if I wanted to collect money and I had enough connections, I'd have somebody shoot them for me. So I, it sounds like it's, gonna, it's uh, called the Dream Keeper Fellowship, and it's a pilot program. And the criteria being considered includes those at high risk of being involved in a shooting and either as... A victim or as the shooter so I would imagine people would have to apply for this program so if I'm a shooter if I'm a if I'm somebody who I mean I like to would. go down the street and shoot that's crazy I guess I can apply for the program it reminds me of Afghanistan this is like okay or the nuclear deal with uh, with with, <laughs> with, <laughs> with 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 the Middle East you say don't make the nuclear bomb. We're going to pay you not to make a nuclear bomb. So it's okay. And they take the billion dollars. And all the while, they have somebody else somewhere in some secret plant making nuclear bombs. I mean, how, if I was a true criminal and I wanted to do payback, I would say, I'm not going to shoot a soul. And I collect all the money, but I make sure they got shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. So this article was sent to me, and it, it can't, it, maybe a lot of people have seen it because it was on NBC News. And there's an Alabama doctor who pledges to stop treating unvaccinated patients. Well, I wouldn't go to him anyway. I said, good. He wrote a letter to his patients that he could not watch more of them die from an eminently preventable disease. What about people who are naturally... Uh immune. They have the antibodies within their system. What is he talking about? So if I were his patient and I weren't vaccinated... Even though you might have your natural immunity, he would say, oh, you know, I'm so sick of people dying. I said, but doc, I'm fine. Well, so what? You didn't get that. Go somewhere else. Go yeah. find another doctor to help you. Right. That's so crazy. That doesn't make any sense. You know, they forget about this whole segment of people who are naturally immune. Yeah, and even you had doctors in, what, South Florida, somewhere like 75 doctors 
they staged a walkout because they were tired of seeing unvaccinated patients coming in there getting, you know, treating them for COVID. So they staged a walkout. Well, good. I mean, you know, this is America, you know, stage your walkout. But do they talk about the statistics of the ones who have gotten vaccinated and, and died. died, you know? And then in that case, all the unvaccinated should walk out, you know, and say, we're tired of seeing people who have been vaccinated get sick and die. That is so childish. So is that ethical? No, I don't think it's ethical. I think uh-huh. it's silly. I think it's childish. I, I, I think that people who have a tendency to try to force someone to do something that basically is contrary to... Well, how do you prove that? I mean, so if a doctor refuses to treat because of anger, resentment, frustration, or a patient's decision to not get vaccinated, Mm -hmm. I guess that is unethical. Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, because you have... Because they take some kind of oath, you have to set aside your feelings. Right. That and the fact that a person has control over their own body. You're bound by moral obligation. Yeah, but you know, like if if they talk about a person making choices concerning their own health, they can't say that the person who's not vaccinated is putting someone else in danger. What's the difference between that and people who refuse to quit smoking? No difference. It, it, it's, it's when it comes to a person's individual or you have body. you were diagnosed with congestive heart failure and you refuse to stop eating all the salt and but that's, fast but, foods but, that, and, but that's for yourself. But they're saying I know, but you're but that to but, me and isn't the same. Is, they're saying COVID can be spread that a person can infect somebody. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, if you are naturally immune, if you have your own antibodies. And therefore, well, they'd have to. They'd have to test you. Even to if see. they, that's what I'm saying. There are a lot of people who have if gotten have, tested. If you and have they, the antibodies, there are plenty of people who've gotten tested and they've been shown that they have the antibodies. Why should they then have to get a vaccination? So that doesn't make any sense to say simply. But because he did person, not say. He did not say in his post or his letter that he didn't want it to spread from one person to another. He said that. He couldn't watch more people die from a preventable disease. That might be. And congestive heart failure or people who smoke. You know, you can get all kinds of different cancers from smoking. Congestive heart failure is preventable if you eat properly and exercise. Uh, There are so so many other diseases that are preventable. That he still treats the individual for. But to me, that's... So it's hypocritical because it's almost like trying to... Uh, use some type of of guilt trip or some type of you know some type of peer pressure in order to get a person to do something that they themselves feel is necessary and is a violation of their rights as an individual. They were just they were like for those doctors that walked out those seventy five doctors they were just tired of. People just not trusting the science. They would say, listen to the science. I said, trust, trust the science. I said, there goes the science right out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what, what, what are we trusting in? Even if we came to the hospital, they wouldn't be here to trust because they're on strike. 
<laughs> That's stupid. Anyway, moving on. So this article was sent to me, and it comes from ChristianHeadlines.com, and it's a new study that found that more than 60% of born, now these are born-again Christians in America, between the ages of 18 and 39, they believe that, see, now this is like, I, I, it, it doesn't sound right. They believe that people can receive salvation through Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus. Mm-hmm. So how can you be born-again Christian and right. believe in Buddha or right. Muhammad? Right. I don't, you're not I don't. a born-again Christian. Uh, maybe you're a humanist, uh, you know, <laughs> but you're not a Christian. Not at least born again. You know, you're not saved if you believe that there is more than just one truth. See, they try to say there are different avenues to get to the truth. I say, well, but that avenue has to lead to the truth. There's only one truth. There's not Jesus and Muhammad and Buddha. There's just Jesus. And some people say, oh, you know, I, I don't see how you can be so confident that's because there is but one truth yeah jesus said he is the door he said you come up any other kind of way you come as a thief and a robber right and he said people are going to be offended you know because of of this so the study also said there was a drop in basic biblical worldview and in belief in the accuracy of the bible salvation and jesus being sinless the christian post reports the number in 2020 was 16% compared to 47% in 2010. So the percentage of born-again Christians with a biblical worldview has been cut in half over the last decade, which compared the 18 to 29-year-olds from the 2010, from the year 2010 with the same age group 10 years later, now 30 to 39. Well, they basically just deceived themselves, the love of many going to wax cold. Like the Lord said, there's going to be a great falling away. You might find mega churches. You find people sitting in, in buildings by the thousands, but their heart, the Lord said, is, is far from him. They serve God with their lips, but inside, like he uh, told the prophet, he said when Jeremiah, when they came before Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah, these people have set up the idols, Jeremiah. He said, but you know, it's not out there where you can just see it with your natural eye. He said the idols are in their heart. He said they've already set up the idols in their heart. So there are people who have, you know, taken the word of God and they just basically discredited it. So this next, uh, well, what I should say is that there's only one way to get saved, and that's through Jesus. There's only one way to get salvation and i think there's a scripture that says that uh, no one can come to the father except through the son right now here's which is jesus here's what bothers a lot of people they say well are all those jewish people are, are they dying and going to hell are all these people i said the lord knows those who are his what we have to worry about is what you know to do like the lord told me one time you know, I'm thinking, Lord, who's going to be saved? Lord said, you stay saved. It's like you do what you know to do. Now, trying to figure out if the, the, the Jewish people who, who are God's chosen, he knows those 
who are his. Uh, babies, they say, who died. I said, the Lord knows those who are his. We see a baby, God sees a soul. The Lord knows. So you don't have to worry about who is when he said that the wheat and the tares grow together. You don't have to worry about when the angels do the harvest, who's going to be uh, separated, who's going to be wheat and who's going to be tares. You just have to worry about yourself. Mm-hmm. So this article was sent to me. It came from Christian News Headlines, and Harvard University has a newly elected elected chief chaplain. Mm-hmm. Now, this is another that that doesn't sound right. It's like right. I can't even say it. I mean, it's like a chaplain who is an atheist. <laughs> You know, I'm just, that's so... Stupid. <laughs> it doesn't make you, sense you to me. How can you say, you can't even say a paradise. That's just stupid. <laughs> so, uh, Greg Epstein, 44, was re- recently unanimously elected to the top spot at the college and is being set to begin work. It's like saying transgender male, transgender female. You know? He's <laughs> an author of a book called Good Without God. Oh, my God. Mm. Why he was raised. He was raised Jewish, and and in 2005 received ordination as a humanist rabbi from the International Institute for Secular Humanistic Judea, Judaism. Which doesn't then he worked. In God. Then he worked. <laughs> then, uh, yeah. See, the, none it, of this makes sense. Then he worked as a humanist chaplain for Harvard and later at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. In his new role, he will be working with students and help coordinate. Get this? Religious events and council students. Oh, what? I mean, what, what is, where does the source of his faith? You know, it's, it's like, I don't know if they should call him a chaplain. Uh, maybe just plain counselor. I have, I have no idea, but they deny the power thereof. So this doesn't surprise me because according to a poll from the Harvard Crimson, which is Harvard's student newspaper, more than 40% of the students identified as either atheist or agnostic. Oh, they think they're so educated. You know, they Harvard. think they're so intelligent. Harvard. Like the Lord said, they become fools. Harvard. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that concludes our program. That's where you're going, Harvard. To Harvard. <laughs> yes. Well, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. The verse of the day for this week comes from Psalm 127 and 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Now ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, how long were the Israelites in Egypt? And the answer is 430 years. And that answer can be found in Exodus chapter 12, verses 40 to 41, which reads, Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day as it came to pass, that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. This week's food for thought is, where did Jonah catch a ship headed for Tarshish? 
Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. 